Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today, we are continuing our series, I Love the 80s. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. Well, today we were supposed to talk about leading your family. We're going to kind of talk about leading your family. Um, We're going to do it in a different way. I had a... um, I had a really cool message lined up for you. Um, I worked really hard on it. Um, and then yesterday afternoon, uh, I was driving around and sure as the world, the Lord began to speak to me something that does not necessarily fit in with our I Love the 80s family TV edition. But nonetheless, uh, I believe it is the word of the Lord for us today. So what I'm going to invite you to do is to join me in prayer. Um, I'm a little, you know, it's a little nerve wracking when you're when you're winging it. Now I've got like a 45 minute message ready, um, but I'd rather err on the side of being obedient to the Spirit of God than to push forward with, um, with my own agenda. So we're going to do that this morning, and we're just going to try to be obedient. If you have your Bibles, open up to First Corinthians chapter two. Um, we're going to start there. We will not end there, but um, we're going to start there. I'm going to talk. I want to really just share my heart with you. Can I do that this morning? Just open up my heart and share um, from the, the inside to let you know um, what we, um, as leaders, what our desire is for our church. And so I'm going to do that this morning. Before we do that, let's pray together um, that God would... God would be in our midst and continue to speak to us. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence that has been here today. You are our God. We declare that. Um, We declare that where you are, that freedom reigns. Because the Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of freedom. And when you get involved in our lives, sometimes you start by turning them upside down. But your ultimate goal, God, is to bring about greater glory for yourself because uh, the chief aim of our life is to bring you glory. And so we seek to do that this morning. Please, God, uh, be with us. Anoint our ears to hear the word of God. Anoint our hearts to receive it so that we can go out in our world and make a difference for you. In Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. We live today in a interesting culture. Very, very interesting. I mean, the technological advancements that we have as a culture are, are incredible, unseen to any generation that has ever been on the planet. I, um, I have the, the um, second generation iPad. Now, there's actually a third generation that is that is a little bit, I think, a little bit thinner. Uh, has a, a retina display. Uh, just an incredible piece of machinery. 4G. I'm talking. Remember the days of, of dial-up. I mean, I I, I grew up uh, with no internet, and then around high school, we got dial-up internet, and you would have to go onto your computer and sign in. It was no just. You know, you're always on. You had to go, 
you know, tie up your phone line. And, and what did you hear when you tied up your phone line? You heard, yeah. right? Remember that? Well, just a few years later, I have a piece of equipment right here, a piece of technology that I can open up with no wires attached to it. It's going to space and back down. Okay? Imagine that. That is incredible. I mean, I've got GPS capabilities on this device. It can tell me and pinpoint my location within just a few feet. That is incredible. Now, I can take this device and I can pull up on this little piece of equipment an entire book's worth of knowledge. In fact, if I'm crafty, I can load onto this piece of technology an entire library worth of knowledge and wisdom and information. I can get textbooks on this piece of technology. I can get workbooks. I can get the latest and the greatest books on leadership and integrity and biblical interpretation so that I can present to you all of the knowledge that is accumulated throughout the history of the world on this one device. Now, what's amazing is that this is actually kind of large to do all of that because you have in your hand, probably, possibly, a device that will fit in your pocket that can do pretty much everything that I just said this can do. It can store books. It can pinpoint your location within just a few feet. It can take you from here to Los Angeles, California and tell you every single turn you need to make. That's crazy. Let's just, let's just admit it. Have you, ever, have you ever taken your phone out and you dial the number and you pull it up and you're like, it's not, it's not connected. What's, what's wrong with this thing? Listen, listen. It's going from, from your hand to a tower to space and back. It takes a second. That's a, that's a long distance. And I can call somebody on my phone and talk to them from another. I can call to the other side of the world and talk to somebody. It's incredible. Amazing. No wires attached. Nothing. Just through the air. It's incredible. It's awesome. Now, not only that, but but the, the, the device that you have, that I have, and it might be an Apple, it might be a... LG, it might be a Motorola, and if it's a Motorola, we have a trash can going to the outside. That's where it belongs. I have a Motorola, so I can say that. I'm going to, and as soon as the new iPhone, as soon as the iPhone 5 comes out, which I'm praying, dear God, happens soon, um, that thing's trash. Um, or the good variety, you can have it back. Verizon, I don't know. Anyway. I can, I can take that piece of, piece of uh, technology and I can listen to almost any preacher in the world. Most, most churches have the technology to podcast or at least to put their, their, their sermons and messages up on the internet. And I can stream that on my phone. So I have access to the collective 
teaching and wisdom of let's just let's just be generous and say fifty percent. That's a low. I think that's probably a low estimate. I can listen to half of the sermons that are being preached today, probably at least in our country. Let's just put it there. In our country, I have the opportunity to receive teaching and preaching and biblical interpretation from what? How many thousands and thousands of preachers? Matter of fact, I can take my piece of device and what once I had to, this is a thin line. I mean, if you were like, if you were up me, you had the big family bottle that sat on the coffee table, right? I mean, you need like a, a wheelbarrow to lug that thing around with you. But now I can read the entire Bible plus commentaries. I can read your thoughts and, and, and somebody else's thoughts. I can read somebody's thoughts on in China when they, when they read the Bible and they load their notes. Here's what I think. I can read that. I have the capacity and the technology available to me to receive that kind of instruction. And you do too. Yet, we have all of this collective wisdom and all of this collective instruction and teaching and, and incredible resources available to us. Yet, the church in America is declining. I have, I have available at my fingertips instruction and teaching from the greatest preachers in the world. People who are growing churches in the tens and 20,000 range. 30,000, 40,000 people come to hear this, this man or woman preach every weekend. I can listen to that. Matter of fact, I can even listen to it and regurgitate it to you. And you wouldn't know unless you listen to them too. I have the opportunity to do that. Yet, in America, you're struggling to get people to come to church. The church in America is declining. Many people predict that, that what took place in Europe is actually what is now taking place in America as the as the uh, culture and the American civilization moves into an era of post-Christianity where people have, have gone through that, that phase where everybody's Christian and now we're on the other side of that to where Christianity is this kind of dry I think you can say this dry intellectual information where Christianity is this set of beliefs in this set of wisdom. It's interesting because the Apostle Paul actually is talking to a culture not terribly different than ours. Now, they didn't have the luxury of iPads and iPhones and, and, and droid razors and all of the, the pieces of technology that we have. But in Paul's day, they would sit around the city gate and people from all over would come and they would share different ideas and different thoughts and different words of wisdom and different perspectives on, on God and religion and spirituality. And Paul comes to this town called Corinth where this would happen. People all over the world would come and visit Corinth. In Corinth they had huge temples dedicated to, to 
various deities and various gods where people would go to worship and then they would gather at the city gate to share all of these collective ideas and thoughts about God and, and religion and spirituality. So it's a lot like our culture. They had, a, they had at their fingertips or at their city gates a whole collection of wisdom and possibilities and thoughts circulating around. And Paul, in writing 1 Corinthians, is, is recalling his first trip to Corinth. When he, when he first encountered them. And listen to what he says, because it's very interesting. And I think if we could, if we could grasp this as a church... Uh, I, I, I believe um, I believe this is this is where God is, is leading us um, and taking us because well let's just read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 let's just start with verse 1 he says this matter of fact if you have a phone there is no new version for this but you can just pull it up on verse 1 um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 1 he says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters. So he's recalling his first time coming to Corinth to share the gospel with them. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. He says, you remember when I came and I showed up in your city? I didn't come with persuasive words. I didn't come with a lot of obvious wisdom teachings. I didn't come to the city gate and try to argue intellectual information. And not that there's anything wrong with apologetics and, and being able to defend your faith. That's good and needed. But what Paul is saying is, I didn't enter into this fray of, of conversation trying to prove who's right and who's wrong. So I, didn't, I didn't come that way. I didn't show up with that kind of of message. So what he goes on to say in verse 2, for I received to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You ever wonder why we talk about vertical church being all only and always about Jesus? It's because of stuff like this. Paul says, look, when I came to you, I didn't come with any other idea except this one thing. Jesus Christ, Him crucified. I committed myself to know nothing about anything else except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you ever wondered why we uh, talk about it at Vertical Church, that all things point to Christ, that we, we attempt to take everything and connect it to Jesus because we are saying to you, we commit you to know nothing except Jesus Christ and crucified because we believe that Jesus really is the hope of the world and that without Jesus that nothing so he goes on and he says I committed to you to nothing except Jesus Christ and being crucified I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling he said it was scary it was a little frightening you got these wise teachers and you had all of these great intellectuals gathered around and I'm coming preaching Jesus. It was a little scary. 
go, verses 4 and 5. My message and my preaching are not wise and persuasive words. So I didn't come to try to argue you into salvation. I didn't come and try to prove a point and miss out on the power. I didn't come with a preconceived notion about the methodology that it was going to take to convince your intellectual mind that the reality and truth of Jesus Christ is for you. Since I didn't, my message and my preaching were not wise and persuasive words. I love this next phrase. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You're wondering where the church is headed? It's headed, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. I'm not concerned about it. It's really interesting for a preacher to say, you know. I mean, I pride myself on trying to come up with wise and persuasive words. <laughs> this is what I do. Can you imagine the neurosis that it takes to stand up, even, even to a crowd just this size? hundred people and, and, and talk to them for like 30 minutes and try to get something that's inside of you into them. And this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to come with wise and persuasive words. I want the message to be interesting. I want it to be intriguing. I want you to be able to go home and, and have points that you, can, that you can trace back to and have practical examples of what you need to change or how you need to alter this or that. I mean, this whole series that we're actually supposed to be doing today on the, on the family and relationships and how we interact with people is based upon giving us practical, rooted advice from Scripture on how we relate to one another. Today, I was going to share with you about leading your family and, and, and good biblical teaching on how to lead your family. But th yesterday, I, I, I'm driving in the car and I just start becoming overwhelmed by God just dealing with my heart to say, you know what? You know what will help the family more than your wise and persuasive words? demonstration of the Spirit's power. You know what will grow the church faster than a method or, a, or, or lights and good music and good preaching and good kids ministry? A demonstration of the Spirit's power. You want to know how to get people saved better than a marketing campaign and a capital campaign and a fancy building? Demonstration of the Spirit's power. Here's what Paul is saying. He says, look, I came into this situation where there's people with all of these various ideas that they can argue. And if I walked into that and I tried to argue with you, people would have a comeback. He says, so I didn't do that. What I did is I came in weakness and said, I'm going to tell you about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then I'm going to demonstrate it. You got any sick people? You got any, you got any hurting people? You got any dead people? Why don't you bring them? Because he's going to do I'm going to proclaim to you that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. He died and he rose again. And then we're going to see a demonstration of the power. Argue with that, Jack. Now, how do you want to argue with that? How do you want to, how do you want to philosophize and intellectualize that? He says, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words. I didn't come knowing all the ins and outs. I didn't come pretending as if I could... If I, if I had all of the mystery of God figured out, here's what I came to do. I came to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to demonstrate it. We're going to call for the sick. We're going to lay hands on them. God's going to heal them. How are you going to, how are you going to argue with that? Because I, I'm a good arguer. You know, ask my wife. I might not even believe what I'm arguing about. But I can defend it. And, and part of the, the dark side of that is I can belittle you in the process. I can make you feel like a moron. Because of your, your illogical way of, of working it out. It's the dark side of it. I get it. I understand that. Paul says, look, I didn't come to try to do that. Here's what I came to do. I'm going to demonstrate the Spirit's power. I'm going to like Take it or leave it. Here, here's God moving and working in the midst. Take it or leave it. Here's what he says. I love this part. Verse 5, too. It's just so important. Because here's the catch. Here's the catch. If I get up here and I have all the really cool words and really cool sayings and, and, I, and I have a, a smooth, slick message that's really attractive and people are coming around. Here's the danger of that. Paul tells us the danger when we allow the methodology that we take to override the message that we preach. He says this in verse 5. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I mean, you know somebody who had a relationship with God but because it was centered on some man or some woman when that person fell their relationship with God crumbled. Paul knows this 2,000 years ago he says look I didn't come to you to try to convince you and, and to give you wise and persuasive words so that your faith would rest on me and not on God's power because I'm human and I'm probably going to mess up and I'm probably going to offend you or I'm probably going to fail. And when I fail, when I fall, then your relationship with God is going to crumble because it's built on me and not on Jesus. So I'm just going to demonstrate to you the power of the Spirit. Let you put your faith in God, not in me, so that when I, if I fall or if I offend you or if I do something stupid and sinful, well, your faith wasn't in me. You're hurt, you're disappointed, but your faith is in God. When your faith is in God, you can stand the test of time. We know what kind of church we're trying to, trying to build here at Purple Church. We're trying to build a church that's based on the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God so that when people put their faith in God, they're not putting their faith in God through me or through somebody else or through music or through some other method, but they're putting their faith in Jesus on Jesus. And they're building their life on Jesus. Because Paul says, if you do it any other way, well, that's not good. Now, what I want you to do, as I told you, we're not going to stop there. Because he continues this argument, not argument, he continues this letter, I should say, because there's some problems going on in the Corinthian church. They got some issues. They got some issues. Okay. They got people doing ungodly things with people they shouldn't with. They got people, you know, a little bit crazy in the church service. Okay, let's just admit it. People are getting a little bit out of hand, a little bit out of order. And Paul continues writing. And he, he addresses several of these things. He talks a lot about sexuality in the first few chapters. It can be kind of uncomfortable. Um, talks about all sorts of different things. And then he starts making this transition. 
where he's, he's, he's answering some questions, but he's also kind of going back in a certain way to remind them of what it looks like to be the church. So we're going to pick up his letter in chapter 14. Because there's some misunderstanding about the Spirit's power. Um, the early church, uh, a lot of people were speaking in tongues. And um, you know, sometimes it was getting a little bit unruly. People were getting a little bit boastful in their gifts. And, well, I've got this gift, so I'm better than you. And I've got this gift, so I need to be heard louder. And I, I'm going to overrule you with my gifts. So Paul's writing into this. And he's giving some instruction about the, the proper role, the proper use of tongues and prophecy and, and, and speech and, and these kinds of things. And he says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's pick up. Um, let's pick up in verse 18. He's already been talking a lot, a lot, a lot about tongues and, and how if you speak in a language that nobody understands, then, then that can be confusing if an unbeliever's there or a seeker's there. Um, if you speak in prophecy, then they'll probably understand you. Uh, I would rather say intelligible words. This is all he's saying. All he's saying is like, look, people get crazy. Uh, here we go, verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Have you ever wondered if Paul spoke in tongues? Yes, he did. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in the tongue. Rather, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it is written, through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Verse 22, tongues then are a sign not for the believers, but for the unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. That, like in the original Greek language, is very confusing. As you can tell in the English, as it sounds really like a lot of the same phrases. Yeah. Uh, very typical. Verse 23. So if the whole church comes together, like we are right now, and everyone speaks in tongues, and some who do not understand, or some believers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by Here we go, verse 25. It's the end of this verse is my heart's cry for our church. It's, it's the only thing that's going to save your family. And just try to connect it to what we're supposed to be talking about today. This is the only chance your family's got. If we can create an atmosphere where this phrase will be heard. He says this. And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down. This is somebody who doesn't know God. This is an unbeliever or... Um, this, this translation uh, calls it, uh, what, an unbeliever? Mine, uh, the one version I'm used to calls it uh, a seeker. This is someone who doesn't understand. Okay, this is someone who is not connected to God. Okay? So he can fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among me. You know what my prayer is for our church? And when people walk into our worship experience, they say, okay, that looks a little crazy. That looks a little weird. I don't really, these people might be even a little bit crazy. Might be a little bit out of their mind, but hey, you know what? It's like God is there. 
know all of the ins and outs, but I can't deny it. Paul says it is possible that when we gather together as a church, he says when you gather together as a church, the end result should be that unbelievers and seekers are saying, wow, God was there. I experienced God. You know what? There are no words for that. There are no words for I encountered something bigger than me. I I came into an experience with something or someone, and they may not even have words to describe it because an experience like that, the only thing that you can say is,
And you read the rest of Acts, and it's all springboards out of that one encounter with God. You might say, well, I don't, I don't really believe in Pentecostal churches. Okay. So I have to. You don't have to believe in some methodology. I'm not making you say you have to believe this way or that way. I'm just trying to read the book and say, okay, they all got on the same page and God took over. I don't care what denomination you're from. I want God to take over. Hopefully if you call yourself a Christian, you want God to take over. I don't care what it looks like. This is where my heart's going. This is where the pit of my stomach is going. Man, I don't care what it looks like. If it gets crazy and out of hand, I trust God's going to speak. And say, look, you're kind of getting like the Corinthian church. You're getting a little crazy. But I'm at the point in my life where I don't want to, I want to miss God. Because my mind is in the right spot. I love that. They were all together.
Thank you so much for joining us today. 
We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.